Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is your host, Hayden Bow. Uh, Marcus and I are sitting down with Colleen Foch today. She is the coach of our hybrid body program. I think we set a PR on this podcast for the amount of laughs we had. We went on a million detours, but we got a ton of good information uh, out of Colleen, both uh, fun and constructive. So I think you guys will really enjoy this conversation. As always, make sure you screenshot this episode while you're listening. Uh, post it up in your stories on social media. Tag me, tag Steffi, tag Hybrid Unlimited, and you'll automatically be entered into a draw to potentially win some Hybrid Legacy brand apparel, which is the official apparel of Hybrid Unlimited and Hybrid Performance Method as a whole. Uh, while you're at it, go check out hybridstrengthcoach.com. That's where we sell all of our workout programs, everything from weightlifting to powerlifting to strongman, general fitness, and everything in between. Uh, it's only 40 bucks a month and you have access to our discord community where you can get form checks, uh, any advice, any planning for meets, anything you might need, uh, in strength, conditioning, uh, competitive lifting, etc. Uh, we're at your disposal 24 seven, uh, check that all out. And other than that, sit back, relax and enjoy another episode of hybrid unlimited. What's up, everyone? It's your favorite podcast producer, Nick Tricana, here to give you a word from our incredible sponsor over at Element. Listen, you're not getting enough electrolytes or salt in your diet. I see it. Steffi sees it. Hayden sees it. We all see it. Element is an electrolyte drink mix with no sugar, no artificial ingredients, and no BS. Everyone needs electrolytes, especially those on low-carb diets, practice intermittent fasting, are physically active, or sweat a lot. But don't just take my word for it. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. U.S. Olympians, players in the NFL, NBA, NHL, and even our own special forces drink Element. I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm the pinnacle of self-performance, but ever since Steffi turned me on to Element, I've seen vast improvements in my everyday training and recovery. You guys can try Element today with a totally risk-free, no-questions-asked refund policy. And you know what? Because we love y'all so much over here at Hybrid Unlimited, we're going to hook you up with a free sample pack of Element just for you. Each sample pack includes eight grab-and-go packets in a variety of different flavors. All you have to do is go to drinkelement.com hybrid. That's drinklmnt.com hybrid. Again, that's drinklmnt.com hybrid for your free sample pack of eight grab-and-go element packets. Stay salty, my friends. Now back to the podcast. Uh, okay, Hayden was telling me before, it's like, I know a little bit about you, but I had to look it up before you oh, came okay. in. Uh-huh. So it reminded me, how close is bobsled to, to skeleton? Uh, you go down the same track, but I would say it's very, very different. All right. So, so bobsledding, you're in, um, you're more like in a sled. The skeleton oh. ones where you're on like um, a much smaller piece of equipment and you're going head first okay, versus so, like sitting inside something. So skeleton goes from the, the top, right? And luge goes from partway down. Oh, and luge, uh, luge yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, skeleton looks more dangerous to me. It's actually not, right? It, uh, yeah, I'm that, not sure what like the stats are on it, but it definitely looks I mean, looks, scarier. I know yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like a complete Luddite of that world. I know nothing about it, but you see a p- bunch of people in a car or whatever, I'm sure there's a more proper term for it, right? The sled? The sled, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to whatever the skeleton people do. Yeah. And you see them. I mean, I, I was watching that this year in the Olympics, and they're just going down headfirst like a bullet down that track. Yeah. Well, do you, do you remember that one Olympics in Vancouver 
where the dude died. In, oh, in Skeleton? Uh, Luge. It was oh. a guy from Georgia. What's and they, it was, at the time, I think they said it was the fastest track uh-huh. that they'd made. And uh, one of the guys was doing a warm-up run. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. It is a horrifying video. Ugh. Oh, it, I can imagine. Because it, it's, it's one of those things where it's just the forces of, like, nature and gravity. Yeah. Just make this guy look like like it's oh, an animation. Like a rag just, he was just gets launched at the side on one of these turns and just hits a bunch of things and. Oh my gosh! You used scary. to have a girl at the gym training there for a while. That Kelly. Was, oh, oh yeah. Kelly, Kelly yeah. Curtis. Oh, oh yeah. really? Yeah, oh yeah. no way! Yeah, yeah. yeah. She yeah. had uh, another boyfriend. A uh, boyfriend named Marcus. It was another white oh, really? just yeah. like me. Yeah, yeah. He was super. They were awesome people, but she was. Uh, I don't know if she was on Team USA for Skeleton or she was training she with was. the Olympic yeah. team. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was training oh, out no at the way. Olympic training Oh, no That's center. super cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, did did you know her well? Uh, I know her. Not, like, super well, but um, we definitely, like, I see her in the dining hall and stuff. We have, like, or we had different training times and stuff, okay. so we'd see people in passing and stuff. But, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. So you were at OTC? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I'm so like, like, all of the luge and bobsled skeleton, they all train together? Uh, in the same like places and stuff, but right. we had all different times and whatnot. Oh, yeah, so sure. yeah, was like, there beef? Like, was uh, there beef? Like maybe the bobsledders are talking smack about the skeleton people. <laughs> like, not that I know of. I mean, I think sometimes like I'm sure because like a bobsled will like eat up the track more than like you know someone yeah. doing skeleton. So maybe there sure. was that, but I didn't really notice. It's got <laughs> but... some low key shit talking. <laughs> yeah, there. maybe there was. Like the skeleton's like, nah, it's more dangerous. Right. See that guy that died in Vancouver. <laughs> Wild stuff. <laughs> well, when I went, they told me that the most injuries happen in bobsled, like per accident. Yeah, I, I don't know that. what the frequency of accidents are, but I know from being at the Lake Placid one, mm. basically, you know, if that thing flips, it's the sled on top of you, you know, yeah. it's not very comfortable. It's your head in a helmet just being squished into the ice. Yeah. And then if they don't catch you on the tail end of that track, like if you flip oh my, and they don't get you in the time, worst. then you slide. It's, it's on an incline the last bit, so you slide back through wow. part of the, the track again and... I saw that happen. I actually, when I was there, someone uh, hurt their neck. I saw a few people like wipe out when they were doing skeleton for the Winter Olympics in Beijing this year. Yeah. And they would just kind of like, you'd see they look so defeated, but they would fly off the skeleton and they would just kind of tumble down the track a bit. Yeah. The death setting, that's terrible. That's so what, what people also don't realize is like that ice is not smooth. Like it's not yeah. like being on a freshly uh, uh, flooded like hockey rink. Like that thing's being torn apart and yeah. it, it falling on that. I'm lucky I never did, but I've heard it's not fun. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> it was, it was pretty bad. I've only, only crashed once, but, um, it was. You might've not. told it, the story on the last podcast. Yeah, I think just I in, did. You want to tell it again, just for whoever, whoever missed it. What yeah. Yeah. It? So we were in park city, which is definitely a less aggressive track than like Lake Placid. Um, but there's more. G's for sure. So you feel like you're getting smushed in half more, just the pressure on your body, but it doesn't like rattle you as much as Lake Placid. Um, and we, uh, were coming off. We took like a one curve, like pretty high. And then all of a sudden my head was on the ice and I was like, oh shit. Um, but, and it's kind of like, they prep you for like, Hey, if you crash, like, here's what you do. Like all this stuff, we wear a burn vest, um, stuff like that. 
But the that happened to me where like we crossed the finish line essentially on our side because you never really go like or you never stay upside down really mm-hmm. you're just on your side. And then we crossed the finish line and then just kept going back and forth and back and forth. And then finally someone like came and got us once we had stopped after a while. But my forearms had never been so sore because I was hanging on for dear life. Did you have hard handles or are there like rope ones? Uh, So we were just, um, uh, I was just hanging on to the frame of the sled, like Uh. inside. So there weren't like actual like handles or anything. Damn, the one that I was in had uh, rope handles. And because like, you know, you're moving around. So I didn't realize what I was doing, but every time I was just punching the bottom of the sled, holding Uh, on these handles, it's going the whole way down, just like. Did you uh, like it? Or what did you, no? (laughs) No, dude. uh, Because they limit you, You, I think they, some they they told us to only do two runs yeah. per, day, per day, yeah, and that was more than plenty yeah. for me. For I'm like, you sure? If you only want to do one, well, I'll just yeah. do one. Was this like Placid or where? This was like Placid, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. And what's crazy is when I went there, I, they didn't even take me to the the push house or or like oh, just right on the track and from the top. So they just give me like a two second tutorial. Like, okay, so you're gonna pull like this and then you're gonna flip your hands or jump in and just fold in half. And just kind of like, <laughs> I'm like, down. I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. I have no idea what, right. what I've got in store for me. Like, how fast is the sled going? Like 100 kilometers an hour? Yeah, what is that? I want to say like 60 miles an hour, like 80 probably Ooh, miles no. an hour. Okay. That's 70, 80. You're doing that in, nah. a, in a sled. You don't have airbags. There's nothing. Then my job, I was a brake man, so I didn't have to steer or anything. Uh, which, thank God, that seems so stressful. Oh my, I can't even imagine. But, <laughs> but being like basically helpless and you can't see. It's like oh, you're not. You don't have any. I don't understand the physics of this sport one bit. So maybe you're gonna have to explain <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. I'm thinking of some gravity-based thing, which is terrifying because I know it would just end my life immediately <laughs> if i were to get on some kind of gravity propelled ice luge i'd be dead you know i'd be the guy that just flew off the track <laughs> it's it's very scary and you go so fast and the g-forces from how fast you're going and it pulls you when you're the brake man you get in like this <laughs> oh god you pulled in, half uh, in a way god. that i like that i can't even do anymore so can you exp- i know nothing about this sport so i know that they go very fast and they're on ice and i'm not doing it so could you not just for me but maybe everybody watching tell us a little bit about bobsled and how that works yeah for sure so the so the female and males have uh two different kinds so women have monobob which is just a pilot in like a smaller version Mm. of the like two-person sled and they also have two man so that's what i did i was also a brakeman um no driving for me but um and then the men have two man and four man um which four man's definitely like more it's a heavier sled there's more people obviously so the whole thing's heavier so you're also going to be going faster so pretty intense but looks super fun because there's like a cool like i mean the two person is also a team you have to have like good timing all that stuff but to have four people like there's even more of that so I feel like for the men, like four man's like the thing. And it's like, there's a lot of like team camaraderie about it or around it and like who you slide with and like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, so whether you're doing two man, four man, uh, mono bob, you start at the top, you have what's called like a hit where like is the initial like breaking um, or like hitting the sled to get it going. Um, and then you run around like at the most, I'd say like 50 meters, I want to say, like would be the longest. Or maybe I'm getting that wrong. Maybe it's like 50 feet, uh, but yeah, uh, not very. Depending on the track, it's been it's been a long time since yeah, I did yeah. It, so, um, so essentially, it's like a five second sprint at the beginning, and mm-hmm. then the pilot gets in first. You, as a brakeman, you maybe have like two, three more steps after the pilot starts getting in, right. and then you're both in it, and then you go down the track, um, and then at the end, once you cross the finish line, brakeman's job is to pull up the brakes, which is just like two handles that digs teeth into the ice and then stops you. And then you got to pull the sled off, put it in a truck. Then you go back up to the top and then do. So what's your job during the run? So your job during the run is to get real small (laughs) and not like have any part of you exposed because you don't want to be any sort of drag. Um, Also to stay like tight enough to where you're not being like a rag doll being thrown around the sled. Because if you're making the back of the sled like do this then or like you know getting it to go back and forth then that's going to make it really hard for the pilot right um so it's good to know the track so you can kind of anticipate not that you're necessarily like leaning a ton but that you kind of just know what's going to come up um almost like shifting your 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 weight around a little bit but very subtle yeah okay yeah it's yeah, like when you ride a motorcycle, you have like the way yeah, you, you steer have to anticipate like, like with your yeah, head, you know? right, yeah. yeah. You're but, just kind of trying to not get in the way for the pilot, exactly. right? Yeah, like, and, and it's amazing because it looks. You, you see them flying down the track, and it yeah. looks so smooth. It does, and then it looks so violent. It is. It's very so violent. loud. Like it if you're does. ever like <laughs> near the track when it's going by, you're like, holy shit! Yeah, it, <laughs> like, is. it is. It doesn't so look loud. smooth at all because you hear when you get like a really good quality sound feed coming from one of those events like you can hear all of like how tactile the ice is and how they're sliding like that that, you're right it does sound extremely loud yeah Yeah. i just and i felt like i had a concussion after every single run really i got up and i was just like takes me took me a sec and then i had so much gratitude for the pilot every time for not killing us it was just like you actually create a pretty cool bond oh for sure yeah you're You're, like my life is in your hands yeah (laughs) it really is yeah I'm sure the guys have a lot of fun on the four-man team. So oh, that yeah. just sounds like a recipe for just craziness. Well, it's also just wild that, like, and those guys are not small by any means. Like, they are no. big, strong guys. Really? And they fit in, like, because actually for fun, like, me and some of my teammates back when I was still doing it, we wanted to load into a four-man, not, like, on the ice, but just, like, in the, uh, like, warehouse where we were storing them and working on them and stuff. So we loaded in just to like see what it felt like and like it's pretty crammed in there and we're like significantly smaller than those guys and i was like i don't know how they get in there get i mean that's just they do so much practicing of just loading and like making sure their helmets no part of them is like sticking outside the sled it's wild so like big dudes yeah yeah well, like when 220 I was there, like 62 oh like God. yeah they, they wanted me to put on when i went like 20 pounds See, no. I would think the op. I guess. I guess it is a good thing to be heavier. You'll have more. There, and there's there is a weight limit go. to the sled yeah. though as well. Right. So some people are too heavy, and then they have to. Yeah. Cut. I knew. Uh, I worked with a girl, um, Cynthia. Cynthia. Oh, 
was her apnea? apnea. She was with uh, Team Canada bobsled, and that was her oh. thing. She was. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. saw her compete. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She big Jack. Yeah. Uh, girl, and that was always her thing. She was always trying to cut down. That's why she yeah. worked less on nutrition. Um, and also, you know who is an amazing athlete? Uh, what was it? Kaylee Humphreys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, this This girl is so good and so strong. She uh, did a World Cup circuit with the men's team. Well, yeah, so uh, her, uh, yeah. she used to recruited me into the sport. And then oh, no her way. and um, Alana, who's another pilot for the U.S., they were kind of on a mission to get and still are. So before this past Olympics, the women only had two men. So they only had one opportunity to medal and they wanted to get four men into the Olympics for women. And so they were trying to prove to like the Federation in the world, like, Hey, we can do this. So they did, they both drove like a four man sled mm. and like did it really well. And it's pretty wild. And it would be really cool if like someday in the future, if like women did get the four man, cause it just looks Why like is there really... a resistance to that? I, to be honest, don't know like the particulars. Uh, I think it's just kind of like maybe old school kind of way I of I feel like the IOC of... has a lot of entrenched ways of thinking and they're yeah. probably, as we've seen in weightlifting and their willingness to just throw it out the window. I mean, for yeah. different reasons. It just yeah. feels so weird that, that right. like how, the number of people in the sled like what's the tie to gender it's not like this is a more masculine or more feminine <laughs> no thing Maybe it's a viewership thing like do more people watch the men slide as opposed to women like do they take that kind of stuff into account like i don't know how like capitalist they know. are in that I, sense i just think that like it would be i don't this is just me personally but like it would not only be good for like the sport but also just creating more opportunities for more people to be in it because i know like mm -hmm. being on the team there's just so i mean there would still be a finite number of people you can put in the sled but i think that just helps build like the team more like knowing that more people get to race like you got to work together more yeah. all that stuff like i don't know i don't see the downside in it but i mean that's yeah you know. i wonder how they make their decisions on that because i'm sure there's a a very old school way of thinking yeah. in some parts of the ioc because it seems like a very archaic type organization and and then sometimes they do things that are weirdly progressive like allowing skateboarding into the summer olympics mm -hmm. and you're sitting there like what what are you kidding me like i i i, can, I respect skateboarding don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong but they're well, threatening to kick weightlifting out they're gonna allow skateboarding. Well, you right. know what? The, well, actually, I I grew up skateboarding, so I liked that sport. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool to to see. But there are some sports that makes you scratch your head, like maybe skateboarding's a bad you know, example. Like, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, I love table tennis. Is that in the Olympics? Yeah, but right, like so that's something. Scratch the whole skate. It's like if if you can do it in, if you can do it in a bar, then I don't think you know it should really. If you could do it while drunk. Because <laughs> like I can't think of a single respectable Olympic sport that you could e like competitively do while uh, drunk. You know they, they test positive sometimes for what like for, uh, uh, no for, it's a uh, beta what? not beta is it beta blockers those and also yeah. like like study drugs like Adderall and stuff like that really and they don't have yeah therapeutic use exemptions for them. You know who else uses those quite a bit? The beta blockers or the people that do. Uh, Biathlon. Oh. Biathlon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, if, the, if anything were to be affected 
by nerves, like holding a gun really, really still. Right. Yeah. And like trying to control your breathing and all that. Yeah. Or I could like see you like skiing cross country. You know, right. Like it's hard enough to shoot a gun accurately to begin with. Yeah. Like, to, you know, and to be fair, I, I'm was making fun of table tennis, but all of those sports at the highest level are incredibly challenging. Oh, like you watch sure. biathlon, right? And you're like, it looks goofy. They're on skis and no, then they're shooting targets. Hard. But it's like, I can't imagine. That's probably so difficult. Would you oh, cut yeah. skateboarding or table tennis from the Olympics? All right. So Colleen, if you, oh, if you man. were the judge, jury, and executioner of the Olympics, <laughs> what would you cut? I don't know. I mean, which one could you do drunk better? Oh, table tennis for sure. Like not yeah. at a very high level, go. yeah. But like I, I'm go. not very confident in my skateboarding skills, personally. <laughs> so I think that's why I, I think the last time I was on a skateboard was probably when I was like 10 years old and I got the wind knocked out of me. So oh, well, we have one here. It's been a long time. I know. If you want to redeem yourself? <laughs> I think I've been staying away from them because I've always been competing. So I'm like, I can't get injured. But not what? that I want to get injured now. But no, you know. don't recommend it. Yeah, no. Last podcast yeah. we did was with a Miami skateboarder named Ray. He's like incredible skateboarder and uh he's he should be left to to, to that world yeah that's Clearly. there's also something that if you try to pick it up later in life you need to pick it up without that fear of injury that we it's, like naturally develop when so, we get older yeah. it's i uh, know i want to get uh i've snowboarded once before and like now that i'm not competing i want to take like do more ski snowboard trips and stuff like that snowboarding is a little bit more intuitive i, I feel like i also really? i started it after i had been skateboarding for a number oh, of years okay. So I'm sure that helped, but um, being attached to the thing I mean, it makes a difference. That's true, for yeah. sure. Whereas, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong when you're skateboarding. Yeah, that's you're, true. you're just going down the street and you hit a pebble, and the next thing yeah. you know, you're launched right. down the road. So when you're older, then you realize if you get, you know, if you if you eat it on a skateboard, your next week's gonna be ruined. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're gonna be upset for days. Like, exactly. well, you can't just brush that stuff off, like. Once you've grown up a little bit, you know, I had a really bad spill uh, a couple of years ago here where, um, you know how I used to always put uh, Dexter I'd run the, my dog, uh, he'd have a harness on and I'd hold the leash and just because I can't like walk with him to get him tired. He's a yeah. crazy dog. So I would just let him pull me around uh, Winwood and I'd just oh, nice. go around and really fast. Like yeah. he's sprinting as fast as he can. He's a oh strong dog. And I was on this sidewalk and I saw that there was a car coming uh, at the end of that sidewalk. And normally yeah. I'd be able to just hop off the sidewalk and keep going. But if I did, I would have hit this car. Yeah. So I, I had to make myself fall. Oh like, I, like I, I tried to jump off and, yeah, and yeah. keep up the pace, but I couldn't run that fast. Right. <laughs> I fell right into a broken bo uh, bottle. Oh, I still have this, a scar on my arm here from where it sliced me here and it sliced me in my, my knee. Oh my and luckily, God. I, yeah, God. I came back to the gym, like <laughs> hobbling and looked like I was just like yeah, that, in the know, worst fight of my life. That little oh. block around the gym is, is a wild place. I've seen a, a man, it's like a homeless man that has a grill set up like on the street adjacent and like every afternoon is when he, I like, train, <laughs> if you go there like six o'clock, he'd be having a barbecue by himself. Oh. Like a full-on Weber grill, is charcoal. He, is he selling his stuff or he's just no, enjoying dude, he's himself? No, for himself. Hmm, interesting. I swear to God, you've never seen him? I actually, oh, he's by that big, this big statue yeah. thing. Yeah. There. Yeah, yeah, I have. I thought, he, I assumed he was a vendor of some sort. No, no, no. <laughs> That's well, just a guy making lunch? Or... <laughs> he's making lunch. Yeah, but he, you know, this is Miami we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, enough about this. I, I don't know your backstory. Maybe yeah. people listening don't know it as well. So... 
from what I've gathered, clearly international level bobsledder or national level bobsledder, Olympic team bobsledder, CrossFit Games athlete. And Hayden just told me data analyst. Yeah. How, yeah. How, can you tell us the story? Like you, how you, you forgot NCAA swimmer as well. Oh, right. Yeah. I did know that. <laughs> like I said, I looked you up a little bit before I came in. So I know, I know those things. So yeah. can you fill in the details for me and for everybody else? Like how do you do all these things? And yeah. what's the, what's the thread that links it all together? Yeah, for sure. So did sports like my whole life. Um, fast forwarding into like high school is when my parents were like, you got to choose one sport. Um, and to be honest, I didn't, I, I wasn't obsessed with swimming. I didn't love it, but I would say out of all the sports I did, I was probably the best at that one. Um, did they, and did they want you to choose because they wanted you to have the best chance of success or because they were like, you're killing our schedule. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, I'm not sure. That's, that's where my head went immediately. Like this kid's got that's six activities. Point. I mean, I'm not gonna, so I'm the oldest of six. Okay. And so there was definitely, um, I would say like, if you asked any of my siblings, they would probably all say like, we swam because because Colleen swam. I think I'm sure like my parents were like, okay, we can all just drop you off at the same time. It has to be. It has to be like just a matter of convenience at a certain point. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. I put up a big fight. Like, so props to my parents for being like, (laughs) I don't care if you want to go to practice, like you're going. Because there were many times where I, like, I'm shocked they still push this hard, but I'm super, super thankful. Um, But uh, yeah, so swam in high school um, and then went to Notre Dame my freshman year for swimming um, and then didn't love it there. So transferred to Cal, um, competed there. We won NC2As my junior and senior year and then um, was a strength and conditioning coach um, at Cal for like two and a half years. Got into crossfitting, like just recreationally um, after college, cause I wanted to lift and I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and then like one thing led to another and like being competitive and stuff, I was like, I'm going to sign up for the open and then, um, ended up wanting to go to the games. So did that. And then, um, got recruited for the bobsled team. That's a, that's a very modest way of saying you just tripped and fell into the crossfit. No, no, like, no. So it was like, like seven, there's gotta be, there's span. gotta be more, yeah, uh, yeah, you can't just, sure. you can't just gloss over that. Cause <laughs> yeah, like, I did. We talked to a lot of Fall into it, very yeah. high level athletes and like, yeah. you can't be so modest. Like, all right, you got to own up to it. Yeah. You kicked ass at this one thing, yeah. you know, like you got to, you got to, you got to own up to that and talk about it a little bit. So oh, no, I, I how did you that. go from, all right, strength and conditioning coach, Yeah. randomly doing CrossFit. Nobody just like, oh, I'm going to do CrossFit. Oops. I'm at the games. <laughs> yeah, right. Weird. No, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely wasn't like that. So I... Uh, was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do like for fitness to like stay in shape because like my schedule was so regimented with swimming and then all of a sudden it wasn't I was like oh my god what do I do Um, and I definitely went through a phase of like I don't want to be bulky I want to be like tiny and so I was like kind of scared of lifting but I loved lifting and so um, one of my I was working at Lululemon at the time and one of my friends because I was interning at Cal um, in their intern program and then working at Lululemon and a friend of mine at, at Lululemon, um, was like, Hey, we're going to this thing called regionals. Like you should check it out. And I was like, okay. And I didn't really know that you could compete in CrossFit. Um, and so I went and it was just like the coolest thing ever. I was like, I need to sign up for this. I think it was like, for me, it was just really cool to see a lot of like really badass females like doing 
things that I had never seen people do, like ring muscle ups and then going mm-hmm. to deadlift like 315. I was like, what is going on? But I was like, I want to be a part of this. And then like signed up the following week um, at United Barbell in San Francisco and was obsessed. Like I drank the Kool-Aid hard. Like I wanted <laughs> no rest days. I was like, I'm going in twice a day if I can. Like I was obsessed. Um, but it was awesome because I love the community aspect too because like I really miss that from being on a team in swimming. Yeah. Um, and then did that, uh, did the Open that in 2014 um, and I qualified for regionals um, and definitely got really humbled at regionals. Like I definitely, I would say like cherry picked a lot of stuff too leading into that. And like, or I think thought like I was, were you doing your own like programming? Uh, I was mostly doing classes and then I do oh, okay. like a little bit extra on the side and the Wait. gym at the time had like a competitor's class once a week. Okay. So I do that. Um, what year was that by the way? 2014. Like- Oh yeah, that's also it, impressive. Just in it, like you just did the classes and went to regionals. That's some people's like career goal in CrossFit when, when regionals was a thing. Yeah, I do think that like the sport has evolved so much that like, and I'm not trying to like discredit like myself or like the classes or anything like that. But like at the time, I feel like that was not necessarily normal, but like more normal than it would be now. Like I feel like back sure. then, like people at the games, and I'm not saying there are plenty of people at the games that do have full time jobs, but like it was way like the percentage switch from like, or the majority used to be like, you have a full-time job, this is like your side thing, and like you're good enough, competitive enough to make it to the games. Whereas Mm -hmm. I would say now it's like there's a switch where like the majority, like that's their full-time job because it's just gotten so competitive that like you kind of need to make it your full-time, or not saying like there still are like a small group that do yeah. have full-time jobs, but it's definitely a lot harder, I would say. Yeah. Um, it would evolved a lot. Like if you watch yeah. the evolution of CrossFit from back in the day to what these guys are doing now, like we're, we were talking it's to crazy. Noah here the other day and it's like the amount of nuance that goes into that, just that guy's training is yeah. unbelievable. And I, I kind of see a similarity between like the UFC and how CrossFit's oh, really? evolved also. Yeah, well, you think back on guys that were competing at the highest level of the UFC mm-hmm. 10 years ago, like yeah. you could probably get to the top being a really good boxer and striker. And if you didn't have great jujitsu and you weren't the best grappler, yeah. like, all right, you might win a championship. And there's a lot of guys yeah. that did that. But if you try and go out there now and you don't have jujitsu skills, like, you're going to well, get your shit handed to you. Even, yeah. even look at a guy like Conor McGregor. Right. That's exactly who came to mind. Within his spit, the span of his career, he went, it went from being okay to just be a striker to now, you know, they kind of have his number. Well, but yeah. I always said that like MMA is so similar in my mind with regard to combat sports. It's basically like the CrossFit of combat sports. Right. Because uh, yeah. yes. you combine yeah. all of the different skills the same oh, way you have true, to do true. like weightlifting, yeah, yeah. powerlifting, gymnastics. Yeah. Uh, you know, endurance based sports, everything for CrossFit. So yeah. there's like, a lot of crossover there. Yeah. Cause like if you're a CrossFitter now and if you're a male and you can't deadlift over 500 pounds, close to 600 pounds, like I've seen some of the competitions, yeah. like at the highest level, you probably, you know, you probably won't win. Yeah. yeah. And back then, I, you know, you can fill in the, the details of it, but you know, that's interesting that they used to be more, uh, I don't want to say like lackadaisical, but it wasn't their full-time job either. Yeah. Well, I think just like the limb, well, yeah, just like I think the overall, well, granted, the, I mean, the game still even back then was like a lot for sure. And it's definitely like gone like the volume, the amount of days, like yeah. all that stuff, the weight, like the prescribed weight has definitely gone up and stuff like that. And it's pretty, 
pretty wild. And that's what's even crazier to see like women and men that were like at the top of the sport back then continue to like qualify for the games to still mm-hmm. be competitive, like as it's evolved, like so much. And when you think about it, like it hasn't been that long, like in the grand scheme of like, no, you look at like no, a lot no. of sports mm-hmm. and it's come so far from when it was like on Dave Castro's ranch. And it was like, literally a barbecue kind of event where like you got to go in whatever heat you wanted. There were like three to four events the day. And I think you got like a gift card or something at the end, something like that. Like (laughs) it was just very different. And now you have, you know, it's like in Madison, Wisconsin, like in this massive, you know, like arena or you have multiple spots and like, and the winners are getting 300 grand. And it's like, it's just insane. Like how much it's, when they feed each other too right because now the monetary incentive is higher yeah you're attracting uh higher level athletes and i've always said like and this is not to slight the male athletes in in crossfit at all but i've always said that the female athletes in crossfit are the ones that impress me the most Mm. and i think it's because the caliber of female athlete that you get outside of like tennis and golf there's not that many other sports Mm -hmm. that where a, a woman can go and make that kind of money, 300 grand, you For know? Sure. Whereas when you look at the male sports, you have football, basketball, yeah. hockey, baseball, you have all mm-hmm. of these big sports that, that that's where like most of the athletic focus of yeah. the nation is, is going towards. And so they're getting some of the best male athletes. Right. And I think you're getting a really high level of, of female athlete uh, comparatively in CrossFit. Yeah. And that no, actually sure. brings up a question I have for you. It's kind of a like a high level question, you know. From then, so let's say within the last fifteen years, mm-hmm. how do you see CrossFit changing the way women exercise, and also yeah. the way like women are allowed to let themselves look? Because like on a societal level, I think prior to CrossFit normalizing athletic mm-hmm. bodies and the the way that women are like. I mean, they're kicking ass in CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is extremely impressive. But there's, I think that there was this societal almost taboo against women being muscular or being athletic. And yeah. it, it seems like over the past 15 years, not only with social media, but with the advent of CrossFit being more normal, and you see with weightlifting, it's much more normal mm-hmm. like to be... Definitely. You know, to, to express yourself as a female yeah. athlete however you want. And then same with powerlifting. It's like, yeah. I come from the world of powerlifting. And like that, I would say, maybe more akin to, to bodybuilding. But I think prior to CrossFit, it was mainly just bodybuilders. Like that would like female bodybuilders that would develop mm-hmm. that physique. So throw it back at you. How do you see the kind of evolution of women in fitness? And how has oh. that changed? Yeah, no, for sure. And like, to your point, I think it's been so cool that CrossFit, again, not to take anything from the guys because they're insanely impressive, but I Mm -hmm. think CrossFit has created this space for like women to really express themselves that way that just wasn't around before. Like you said, I think it was like definitely in that like bodybuilding, like fitness world, but like not necessarily in um, like performance sports per se, um, or just wasn't the norm. And I would say it's still not maybe the norm, but it's definitely like more of it now. Uh, I mean, I think for me personally, like it definitely changed my life in that way. Cause like, I remember in college, like I hated like being athletic and I hated like being muscular. I thought I was like massive (laughs) and I was like 20 pounds lighter than I am now. And, Mm -hmm. 
And I think like so much of that with CrossFit is like, it's really cool because I feel like it's more centered around like what you can do versus like what you look like. And then the consequence of that and like working hard and dialing in your nutrition and your recovery and all that stuff is like that you end up reaching like aesthetic goals and like different limits that way that like you didn't really expect, but you're not like I, one of the reasons I really gravitated towards CrossFit was like going in and kind of separating from like, oh, I'm trying to like work a certain part of my body to be bigger or smaller. It was just like, I'm trying to get this new skill. I want to lift this weight. Mm -hmm. And then as a consequence, I'm like, I feel a lot more confident in my skin and my body. And I think part of that is like knowing that like, I worked really damn hard for like these muscles and how I look and like, and not saying you can't like want to go into the gym to like also just look good and feel good. Like that's totally fair too. But like back to your point, I think it's done so much for women to want to like aspire to like making it cool and like awesome to have muscles, like not only for um, like women to feel that way, but for, I don't know, I think like guys too are like, that's really cool. Also, I think everyone, it's like, it's just a lot more, I feel like accepted. The way I see it from, you know, and like I'm asking you because I'm not a female and I I didn't experience that when I was growing up. When I started going to the gym, it was Jay Cutler, Ronnie Coleman, yeah, yeah. you know, Flex Wheeler, uh, Phil Heath, and you look at these guys on the cover of these magazines, mm-hmm. and it was completely culturally appropriate, societally yeah. appropriate to idolize that look. Like you mm-hmm. go back to even Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? For men, it's always been fine, and I've I've wondered over the past you know ten years as I've been involved in this world, like how has that changed for women? Because Mm -hmm. it seemed before like it was much more taboo and CrossFit kind of broke that ceiling for women. Mm -hmm. At least I think CrossFit was the thing that did it. Mm Because I don't think it was bodybuilding. I think bodybuilding's always been slightly frowned upon. I can think of uh, one bodybuilder that sort of changed, I think, a lot of women's perspectives and men's early on. That was Dana Lynn Bailey. Yeah, yeah. Because she made it cool and she owned it and her and Rob were a good team at like making everything they they did look sure. cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that helped. But did you have any influences in line with his question that you saw and was like, oh, that's that's a badass girl that I yeah. aspire oh. to be like? Yeah. I mean, I would say like around that time when I got into the sport, like all the top women um, like Annie Thoris daughter, Stacey Tovar, um, one of my best friends now, Molly Vollmer. Like mm. I remember before I had met her, I competed against her at regionals in 2014. And I was just like, oh my God, it's so cool. Like, just totally fangirling. But um, yeah, I mean, I feel like all those women, like in that initial like wave who are like a bunch of them are still around. I mean, like Sam Briggs, like just retired. And I mean, talk about someone who like really made the most out of her potential. How many years was she competing at the games? Like 10? Oh, it's got to be up there now. I mean, she won. I think she won the 2014 games. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. She was like, the one that put CrossFit Soul on the map. She could. Be, she trained down there. She she did for a for a period of time. Yeah. And oh, then, nice. Um, like that, it really popularized that gym. That's how I uh, heard about it. Really? Yeah. That, I didn't even know. Way about back that. in the day, and I ended up training there, and yeah, yeah. And she would, she would always be there, which was like you know back then like. There weren't a ton of famous uh, like weightlifters, mm. you know. There was a few like John North, Kendrick Ferris, mm. whatever. But the the people who were famous to weightlifters, I feel like weightlifters were really they either like didn't like them but still knew who they were, yeah. or 
<laughs> or they liked him and they respected yeah, CrossFit, yeah. but there was kind of a back when like CrossFit and yeah, weightlifting were like yeah. butting heads. Um, but yeah, all the people that we that we knew who had a lot like a big platform were yeah. CrossFitters, so it was cool to like go into some of those gyms and. Yeah. Well, they really put out. those those sports on the forefront. That's the only reason I even found out about powerlifting before I became, you know, started my competitive run over the years was just because of like Instagram and then CrossFit. Yeah. CrossFit leads you to one thing. CrossFit leads you to powerlifting, weightlifting. You're like, oh, well, there's this other yeah. barbell activity that you could do. Mm-hmm. I think that's so. I feel like they've all kind of helped each other in various ways, and it's cool to see like people in like powerlifting for example like dabble in crossfit a little bit like in an off season or something like that or vice or like you said like start in crossfit and be like i don't want any cardio in my life and then yeah. be like i just want to lift um yeah. so I tried, I tried crossfit a couple times did didn't you work, didn't, didn't work out so well no? obviously <laughs> I, I, I did a crossfit once yeah uh, i did <laughs> you know i think i have the highest crossfit total that super total oh yeah we did oh. did you did you ever see that video we did i did no. it with steph yeah no yeah. Yeah, uh me too we all did oh it. yeah we, so yeah, we all did it together we yeah. said you do with Fikowski. Like, snatch we, clean injury or what did no we did it was, uh, the cro- it was called the crossfit total right oh so deadlift no squat, no strict press strict oh, press you, no no sorry you did that one by yourself but i was talking about the I one did, no steph did it with me we were outside no, well, of, i didn't though i didn't do that one but the one that I was talking about was when we had Fakowski at the gym. Oh, and we, yeah. we put him through a powerlifting workout, and oh, then he nice. put us through a CrossFit workout. Oh, oh my okay. God. That was with the man makers. <laughs> no, uh, the, oh. no, de- the Devil's Press. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Devil's oh Press. Oh, my God. I've never been so embarrassed. Uh, no, I was like, oh, also hopped up with this guy powerlifting with him, and then afterward, they were just like, yeah, you got to do this thing now. It's like. I think it's still it's still on YouTube. It's a good video. Oh I, think, God, I, I think I think it's called Three Hundred Pound Man Does CrossFit." <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I was like, they were just kind of like, just like they're just like, come on, man, you got to finish this. You like, you did really well. I felt like I was just the butt of the joke, which I was like, fine. Cause I had my moment at the beginning. I was, you know, I was like, All right, like, you guys know I'm strong now. And then oh, at the end, it's like, just be prepared. This is going to be embarrassing for me. No, I didn't feel it like it was like that at all. Oh, we you didn't I, feel that way. No, no, for you. <laughs> I, well, I, I thought what you did was amazing. I was oh, like, right. this is the last thing that you should be doing yeah. to, to <laughs> make, to, to perform well. Like this is like, if I had to choose, like we're going to play a game of like horse. Yeah. You let's know? hurt Marcus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do a, a mid-weight, long duration, yeah. like cardio workout what what was the one that i did was i did it with that that was the the crossfit total yeah that the old you know about this the crossfit total so is that they've done it at the games a a few times so press it was a squat squat. oh no no Uh, was it a squat i think yeah and then a conventional deadlift deadlift. it had to be conventional and then oh yeah yeah. um i think i have the highest total ever yeah yeah (laughs) steffi set the female like female highest total uh that day it was like a unofficial world record yeah. CrossFit oh, total when she did it. Same. I don't know if there's any merit to it, but I remember I was like, you know, I, don't, I looked it up online afterward. I'm like, I definitely had the highest total yeah. ever. Yeah. Oh, they did probably by hundreds games. of pounds. Yeah. Yeah. They did it at the games in 2018. I want to say, and I think like Tia and maybe two other girls pulled over 400 and I was just like, Shit, oh that's really God. good. Really? Yeah. yeah. She's a freak. And she's like, and I, I like, she's very jacked, but she's like, tiny too so for her mm-hmm. ability like well i mean like height wise like yeah. she don't want to take it uh i want to say like 
I could be wrong, like five, four ish, maybe. But she's, she's like been on the, Is it Australia or New Zealand's Australia, Australia Olympics yeah. team? For, yeah. yeah, for weightlifting. Yeah, that is just. She is ins- amazing. Yeah, Insane. That's, that's. She's probably the most dominant athlete of all time 100%. in that sport, right? Yeah. Hundred percent. Is she still competing? Yeah, she won, she won this year. Oh, and wait. So now it's uh, up in the air if she like. It was interesting. They like announced that she was retiring, but now, but she herself has not said it. Oh. Like her team like okay. said like, hey, you can announce like she's this is going to be her last games. But now, so it's kind of up in the air. So, interesting. Yeah. Maybe she just wanted to do one more than Matt. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just get yeah. that get that six. So she did, yeah, she did six. So did yeah, six. I wonder if she'll do. I mean, she she no. definitely has absolutely nothing to prove. No, uh, definitely not. So I guess yeah. it's just whether her heart's still in it or not. Hundred you know? percent. Yeah, it's yeah. a long time to be working Mad that hard. For that. Yeah, no. And, oh, yeah. Being that disciplined and like all the stuff that goes into it. Yeah. We went off on a tangent, as we always do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So like you. We got to the point where you became. Oh yeah, yeah. So I went to the CrossFit, CrossFit Games. Athlete. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You kind of touched on the point. Where you went from being a like a casual yeah. CrossFit enthusiast, yeah, so to speak, to competing. How many times did you go to the games? Twice. So I went team in 2017, okay. and then individually in 2019. And in between then and now, you've been working like a f- normal job. Yeah. So I. So in 2020, that's when I went into bobsledding and then um, made the national team uh, that year. And then the following year, the plan was to try out for the Olympic team. And then about like a month or two prior to like that qualification process starting, I tore my ACL. Um, So that, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So that was, that was a bummer. Um, How'd you do it? I was re-racking a jerk, um, which is, yeah. That's painful. I wish it was like more, to be honest, like more bobsled specific. Cause like re-racking a jerk, I'm like, I've done so that a hundred like, times. You just kind of going out at an angle to allow the bar to come down and just. I, I just remember feeling like the second the bar hit my shoulders, I felt my knee kick in and yeah. I heard like essentially like a tree branch snapping uh, sound. Oof. Yeah. And I was just like, so it felt like my knee was just dislocated. And I remember I was laying on the ground and um i was training with my boyfriend we were in uh southern california and he was like just don't move just don't move i thought he was gonna like put it back into place (laughs) i was like okay just do it um but then i looked down i was like okay well it doesn't look bad and then like a few hours later it just like was swelling up a ton but at least heavy was it good like yeah, so, it was heavy, okay. but like, that's cool. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Just leave it there. That was like 135, you know, just, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, like, just say it was like yeah. really heavy as jerk of all yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. tried it. Yeah, shit exactly. No, I think that was like one of the most frustrating parts. It was something that I've done so many times. And yeah. so like, it's just more, it's hard to like rationalize in your head, like why it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like hindsight, like looking back, honestly, I'm kind of it's weird to say like i'm glad it happened but like i think i don't know it kind of put me on a different trajectory that um still like a same plan that i had in my head but like a little faster i guess than i had thought um what does that mean yeah so the plan like after bobsledding that year was always to so i was in school um to get my data analytics degree so uh no so uh, bachelor's but prior to that I was getting my master's in kinesiology 
thinking I would go back to strength and conditioning coaching at the collegiate level. And then through my master's kind of realized I had more of a passion for like data and my sister-in-law is a data analyst. And so I'd heard about like what that field career was about. And I was like, this might be interesting. And, um, but I was like, I have no formal training in it. So I need to see if one, this is something I would actually want to do as a career. Mm -hmm. And two, if like I can develop those skills to be good at it. Um, so I found a remote program through ASU, started that. So I was doing that as I was bobsledding. And then, yeah, once I hurt my knee, I was like, all right, well, I might as well start interviewing now. I know I'm not done with school, but like it can't hurt to get practice. And then ended up um, landing a job, um, which I was like, okay, I did not think that was gonna happen as soon as it did. Um, and started that, which was super helpful, especially going through the recovery process of like having something to get my brain off of like my knee. But then also because I didn't get to like end my like athletic career on my own time, I was like kind of in this mode of like, am I done? Am I not done? And like, that was really tough. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of me was like, well now maybe I'll go into Olympic lifting. Cause I've never like just done lifting. What if I just want to see how strong I could get? And then I was mm -hmm. like, but why? Like, is there an actual reason, like, or am I just trying to hold on to something that, like, sure. I need to just let go of? Um, and so, yeah, and I mean, it was definitely, like, a tough time and, like, weird transition period with, like, which every athlete goes through because, like, eventually sure. you're going to have to stop competing. Um, but, or I guess you don't have to, but, like, at some point. At the level like, that you want. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's like you're going to go back to, like, competing and, like, I think, no. we, I think we can all – pretty confidently yeah we've been in that same position right right had to make that same decision yeah yeah which is super hard because like you realize i think it's one thing to say like when you're in your sport and you're like yeah like my identity is not totally tied up in my sport i think it's easier to say that when you're still doing it and you can right. do it and then when you're not especially if you don't get to end it on your own time you're like whoa, mm -hmm. like maybe a lot more of my identity is in like what i did yeah. than i even thought What's up, everyone? It's your favorite podcast producer, Nick Tricana, here to give you a word from our incredible sponsor over at Element. Because we love y'all so much over here at Hybrid Unlimited, we're going to hook you up with a free sample pack of Element just for you. Each sample pack includes eight grab-and-go packets in a variety of different flavors. All you have to do is go to drinkelement.com hybrid. That's drinklmnt.com slash hybrid. Um, it's an so. incredibly difficult decision to dissociate yourself from the thing you're known for yeah. and you're so good at it's like who wouldn't it's yeah. just this amazing for sure consistent yeah. positive feedback loop of like mm -hmm. oh you know this so-and-so they're an incredible athlete they look amazing they're so strong and then yeah. for you to willingly decide to remove mm -hmm. yourself from mm -hmm. the identity tied to all those positive things yeah. it's like that's a pretty traumatic thing yeah you know, like this is this year earlier this year i did my last powerlifting competition oh no way there's not a day that i go into the gym where i'm like oh boy it's a deadlift bar <laughs> like, yeah. let's do something stupid yeah. but you know like the reasonable side of me intervenes mm -hmm. and is like yeah we're not that hurts you remember how much that hurts right yeah you know what it takes to to get back to that point and at some point most people stop wanting to make that trade-off Cause it's a quality of life thing too, right? For sure, and yeah. For, for I feel like there's a peak, right? You build up, and it's it's helping your quality of life, and it mm -hmm. gives you confidence. And there's all these reasons why it's yeah. so positive for you. But then, at a certain point, it's like 
you really have to trade a lot to compete at mm. the elite level. Yep. Yeah, I didn't realize it till I was like out of the fog, and then my body was just like, "Oh, well, I kind of feel normal yeah. today." I can yeah. be I can be alive and not hurt. Yeah, like, yeah I got up out of bed, <laughs> and my back's not sore. Like, right? Oh, that's weird. Yeah, you used to living like that for so long. Right? I, I used to. This is so ridiculous in hindsight. When I was a weightlifter, I had such horrible patellar tendonitis. I ended up actually tearing my my patellar tendon Ugh. but prior to that I had my tendonitis was so bad that when I would go to the movie theater I would go online and book the handicap uh, seat <laughs> so that I, yeah so that I could oh sit there God. with my knee fully extended yeah, yeah. on the bar and with nobody sitting in front of me uh-huh. because it, it, if I sat like this for any more than yeah. like five minutes I was in excruciating pain yeah. and I thought that was normal <laughs> I thought that was normal. It took yeah. me like probably three years of it of it being that way, and well, mm-hmm. I, and then I eventually actually tore my patellar tendon, and I had to. I was forced to take time off of lifting, yeah. so I couldn't keep aggravating it. And then it healed, and I was walking around feeling okay, like fine, not yeah. in pain, and being able to sit like a normal person and not like being on an airplane and having to pretend I'm going to use the bathroom so that I can <laughs> yeah. get up and st- get my yeah. legs straight and like all these different things. And then I, that's when it finally clicked for me. And I was like, yeah. wow, this is, this yeah. feels so much better. It's like a whole other life out here. <laughs> yeah, right. I did, I did. Outside of lifting weights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? But it's yeah. wild. You brought up a, an interesting thing. I think a lot of people who've competed can relate to like making the decision. Cause I know a lot of power lifters that are still out there competing yeah. And like you know that you watch them, and I'm sure you know some of the people I'm talking about. But like sure. you, you look at me like, man, you should have stopped five yeah. years ago, like or two tears ago, or you know two totals yeah. ago when you were, you know, like when you could just walk away and hold your head high. But yeah, I think your your point's really good, and I think people should to listen and take it to heart. Like your identity can evolve and it can well, change. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, and I think sometimes why people, which I get, like if that's you know, you've centered your life around this one thing. So like every thing you do in your life is like geared towards getting better or like reaching those goals that are specific to your sport. And then when like, you don't know anything else. So it's kind of, it's scary. Cause you're like, well, what do I do after this? And I think that's mm-hmm. sometimes usually the obstacle that doesn't allow people to, and change is scary. Like no one wants to like, mm-hmm. even though if they're like, well, maybe I'll go do this, but they kind of have this feeling of like, oh, I'm going to start over. I'm starting at square one. But it's like, even if it's not really specific, like there's so many things you learn from competing, being in sports that are totally able to, you know, bleed over into other careers, other fields of your life, like whether it is in coaching, that's like more specific to what you did, or it's something totally new. Like you have like that discipline, the work ethic, all that stuff built up in sport. So I think that's like a big thing is like this feeling of like starting over again, like not feeling competent or confident in like something new because like what you're doing is all, you know, and I think a lot of times that's why like people don't decide to like make that next step or like decide like, yeah, I should probably like hold on, you know, well, when you get really whatever. good at something, you know, like I could, for me, it was like, mm-hmm. I could walk in the gym and like everybody knows like yeah, yeah. squatting a lot of weight today or deadlifting right. a lot of weight. And like you get a huge ego kick out for of For sure. That. And then oh, the absolutely. day you're, you're decide like, I, you know, I don't really want to, 
be that person anymore mm-hmm. because whatever your reasoning is, I know what it was for me. Yeah. It's very scary because yeah. like, then you lose that, that positive feedback and you lose the praise online and you mm-hmm. lose there's, there's so many like little intangible things. Yeah. Like people know you as the amazing CrossFitter or bobsledder or powerlifter or weightlifter. And then when you decide to change, it's like mm-hmm. it's scary, right? Because you're entering a whole new phase of your own evolution as a person. Yeah. And like how you adapt to that. It's, yeah. it's, it's very individual. It's very unique. <laughs> Though, for sure. It's scary as shit. Yeah. I mean, I'm oh, sure absolutely. everybody can tell you. And you yeah. probably attest to that, too. Yeah. Oh, and the online thing, that's a very, like, interesting point. Like, I remember, like, not wanting to, like, actually say, I'm retiring. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I don't know, which is so funny to even say out loud. Because I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, pretend like I'm still <laughs> competing yeah. or something? Did like, you make that like that's... I did. So I first made it on um, my YouTube channel because I wanted to, it to be like more, I don't know, like more explaining like, hey, here's why I'm not sure. competing. I actually now thinking about it, I maybe I should make, probably need to make a new video. I think when I said that, I was specifically saying I'm not doing bobsledding, I'm not doing crossfitting. Now that I'm thinking about that, I should take my own advice, but like uh, I think at that point I was like, oh, maybe I want to do Olympic lifting. So, and honestly, I don't even know now looking back that I necessarily wanted to do Olympic lifting. I think I was just honestly scared of like putting the stamp on it and being like, I'm done. Um, And since then, like a lot of, I would say like the most uh, common question I get from doing Q and A's is like, are you gonna compete again? Are you doing a CrossFit comp soon? And like, I'll keep answering just being like, no, like I'm done, like very much at peace with like that. And um, so, yeah. Just like making that more clear and not being scared that like if someone doesn't want to like follow my journey or whatever because I'm not competing, like that's okay. So it's also a funny thing because so many people want to say that like praise from the internet isn't something they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, come on, that's bullshit. It's like <laughs> it's like hardwired into every human's way. Yeah. If you get on Instagram and you get a like. There's a little dopamine tick for yeah. you. Yeah, it, but people, it's like frowned upon to to admit that. And I mm-hmm. think it's so weird because it's like, well, do you like being complimented? <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. so it, then when it's on the internet, all of a sudden it's a bad thing. Right. It's like, and I don't think it. Yeah, you just got to be honest about it. Like, that's the reality of what those apps are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. They provide positive feedback I mean, or negative feedback. I, I was posting on social media, you know, my lifting way before it ever made me a dollar. You know? Yeah, and that's because I enjoyed it. I put it, put my stuff yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. I, I got a, a sure. great, a good response from people. It made me feel good. It kept mm-hmm. me motivated to go back and do it again. Yeah, and it, it was totally the positive feedback. For sure. Way. Like if if anybody says that it doesn't play a part in that journey, it's like I sure I can admit it did for me. Yeah, be like oh people like that I'm really strong. Like that's cool. <laughs> And then, and and social media is such a cool world for connecting people. So then you, you do something and then one of your like heroes, Ed Cohn or Dan Green, you know, comments on your thing and they're like, wow, this is like, it's really a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, You get to meet all of your eyes. That's, and that's the cool thing about these sports that all of us have done. Weightlifting, powerlifting, like, you know, by now I've met probably every person that I've like fanboyed over on the internet. Yeah. In real life. It's super cool. Yeah. And most of them are, yeah, they're super cool. You're like, oh, whoa. I get to hang out with this guy, like, you know, here's half Thor. Like, what's up, half yeah. Thor? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That is. It's it's a unique world and brings people together. Yeah. In a really interesting way. And like, so now that you've come 
to peace with all of that? Where is your journey going and what's next for you? Yeah, no, for sure. So um, working full time as a data analyst. Um, what does and that then, mean, by the way? Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Yeah. So essentially, um, I am organizing, cleaning data that's coming in from, I'm specifically in product um, analytics. So uh, organizing data and then essentially creating um, visuals and systems to track to different metrics to make sure we're staying on target or if we're trying to add like new features and stuff, testing to see like how something's performing or if we should put like time and effort, money into like certain lifts within the company or product. Who, um, what's the company you're with? Podium. Um, oh, uh, they're, they're in the fitness space. I know that. I just no, so it's actually like, not that Podium, no, that's, which is that's, super that's, funny. Podium? I think that one's called 321 Podium technically. Yeah, right? yeah. That's uh, the Buttery Bros and Matt yeah. and Sorry, a couple I, of people. I've been off no, the no, no. for a little while. No, so, so it's funny because actually <laughs> when I um, – was looking on LinkedIn, I got reached out to by Podium, the company I work for, and I didn't know of that Podium at the time, but I did know like 321 Podium, like Matt Fisher's company. So, so I was I'm, like, I'm not crazy. There no, is, no, 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 no. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. There was. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And so it was funny because I was like, Podium, I was like, what analytics am I? I'm not saying that there isn't analytics to be done, but I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> I was like, I was like, no way. And then I found out it was not the supplement company. I was like, oh, okay. They're uh, essentially a, uh, a software co company that does customer interaction management um, oh for like local small businesses mainly. Um, so just helping businesses like run marketing, collect reviews, interact with their customers better. Oh, I have um, heard that before. Yeah, okay. so it's it's been really really cool um, working with a lot of like really smart, awesome people, um, and it definitely like it's not boring and it like push even though sometimes I feel like people think it might be boring but um it definitely is like very challenging in like a really good way like I love getting to show up to work and being like I'm gonna be pushed challenged similar to why I enjoyed CrossFit like mm. it's always evolving it's new like I'm always learning like I don't want to go in and be like okay I'm just checking a box today kind of thing yeah um so yeah no I I really enjoy it and then absolutely love that I still get to be so connected into the fitness space, like coaching hybrid body. Cause I feel like that's just allowed me to, I don't know, as like my fitness journey has evolved, it's been really fun to now connect with people in a different way versus like just in a like competitive environment. But now I get to like help people start their fitness journeys and like live a healthier lifestyle. And also I feel like now that I'm like working full time, I can now relate to like a different group of people a lot more because like when mm. I was in the gym for like six hours a day, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what it's like to like sit at a desk for most of the yeah, day and then go think, try to work. Like, and, and your perspective then is like, well, only training four hours a day, that's really dialing it back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to the average person, like you, you just get so out of touch when you're yeah. training at that high level, oh, right? Oh, 100%. Even, like, I had to recalibrate my brain uh, just with regard to strength sports. You know, if I, I used to walk into a gym and I'd see a guy squatting 500 pounds and I'd be like, pussy. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, no, wait, that's a really strong person. Yeah. Like, that's a really strong person. I don't care if you compete in powerlifting, weightlifting, CrossFit, yeah. whatever no, you that's, do. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a lot of weight to move around. Oh, 100%. You know? But we just, we get so out of whack with it. But what was cool, I thought, today was she walked into the gym over at Hybrid 
and like half the gym was doing her hybrid body program. Oh, really? Like doing a day that on the app of her. Super cool. Her yeah. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. It's like I kept when you when you were telling that part of your story, I just kept thinking of like like this saying like you know, the student becomes the teacher. <laughs> you know, after a certain amount of time yeah. when you've lived enough. Mm-hmm. Cuz I don't remember who we talked to uh, about coaching. Maybe it was Sunny. Like you to be an effective coach, you have to be you have to have experience. Or Paul. And Paul too, yeah. But you have to have experience the mm-hmm. thing yeah. that you're teaching. It's like I knew that like the most effective coaches I had in powerlifting were ones, you know, Steffi and Sebastian Ora. Yeah. Like, they were also competitors at the absolute highest level of mm-hmm. their sport. So like if I could go to either of them whenever I was training, I'd be like, Hey, you know, like Hayden too, like he helped me yeah. a ton when I was competing. I was just like, Hey, like what do you think about this? And mm-hmm. based on their own experience paired with practical knowledge, they could give you yeah. good feedback. And I feel like coaches that have experienced the thing that they're teaching are so much more effective than just being, you know, part of the brain trust of like, we're going to write papers on athletics and that, that, yeah. that, like, right. I'm sure that has a time and place, but for the, sure, the practicality of being an experienced athlete and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, actually I know how to recover from that thing or yeah. uh, mobility drill to help you warm up for yeah. right. whatever. Yeah. I think there's definitely like a really good balance, like you're saying. Cause I also think, Um, like one thing I know initially when I started coaching was like, not everything that worked for me is going to work for everyone else. Um, and I definitely had to like, I think it's definitely, there's a great time. And I think it's also good for like the athlete to know their coach, like gets it like from their perspective that they're not just like, you don't understand me. And like, cause that can be frustrating too. Um, if they're just like giving you something, you're like, you have no concept of like how this feels or how I'm going to feel after or like anything like that. Um, and then I think it's also good to sometimes take yourself out of the equation and like consider the variables that like your student, so to speak, is going through and like understanding that like, like here's my take on it. Here's also just like knowledge that I have on this topic and what might work. But like knowing that sometimes like always leading with like what works for me is like not necessarily the best because it is a different person. And like, so I think there's definitely like an art to it for sure that like you said it's like you can write all the papers in the world but sometimes like in application it does horribly and like vice versa it's good to have like that knowledge behind like the experience too so it's definitely like you want both you know i just i find it very hard because like you imagine trying to learn from a black belt or a a jujitsu professor like they call professors in the world of jujitsu like who's not a black belt or like hasn't experienced like being put in an arm bar like like, guy, get out of here. Like, oh, for sure. You're not teaching yeah. anybody. And I find it weird that in the world of social media and weightlifting and powerlifting, they've sprung up all these inexperienced, mm. like, I'll write your program. It's like, brother, what are you doing? You can't write a program. Like, you don't know what you're yeah. talking about because you haven't right. well, but often, experienced it. And, well, and often the, pro- the problem there is not only that they lack experiences, but they actually lack, like, practical knowledge, too, Academia, right? even. Yeah, like, yeah. it's just it's someone mm-hmm. who's who's done one or two powerlifting meets or they've done a, you know, a bodybuilding show or whatever. And it's like, you not only don't have one or the other, you have neither. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And And that happens a lot. Right. People just say like, Oh, I'll coach you. It's like, well, like, what are are you going to teach me? Yeah. Right. Like, and what have you learned is probably the most important question you can like, like, what do you know that you can impart on people? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I found that that's like a very, funny kind of nuance of the if you had to choose one over the other what would it be so someone who has no formal education no formal education yeah but has competed at the highest level yeah or someone who has uh 
the highest level of education in that field, but never competed. Yeah, I mean, if they've never experienced like any of it and all they know is like from a textbook, I'd probably choose the person with experience. Because I think at some point, like to get to the highest level, like you have to also be like a student yourself and like learning. It may not be like formal per se, but you're probably like if you're that dedicated to get to the highest level, like you're doing your own like research and like learning from probably really good coaches as well. Sure. So I think... Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's fair. And I think, you know, if you're really like the type of athlete that can get good at a sport, you have to be the type of athlete that can kind of be obsessed with it. Yeah. And I know when I first started uh, weightlifting, like it was my whole identity. Yeah. And it was what I consumed for fun, like uh, on social media, mm-hmm. uh, on like YouTube. Like I used to tune yeah. into the live uh, MDUSA sessions when they'd have like Wednesday <laughs> sessions where yeah. they'd work out. I'd be like, oh shit, I got to be home at like four o'clock. Oh, gonna I do used their... to like Cal Strength videos. I would watch oh, for the, hours. There was, <laughs> there was that like, the old, famous the old... Donnie Shankle video. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. Donnie Shankle stronger than you. Like I remember uh-huh. when I first started, like I yeah. would, you know how John North was on this kick where you just have like a giant like cold brew coffee or whatever. I went to school every day. Every day I got one. <laughs> I would university. That, I watched that Cal Strength video and then I'd go weightlift and I'd like just, just like garbage back then. But it was, it just got me so hyped. Like those guys could oh, do yeah. it. Like, and I went and trained with Donnie Shankel once. Like, yeah, yeah. It was I, sick. I trained with him here in Miami actually. Did you? Yeah, I did. He was here? Uh, yeah, he did a seminar at Seoul. That guy's amazing. Yeah, he's also. He's very, very interesting. He was like, yeah, yeah. He, he like said he was gonna to. <laughs> he said he was gonna move here and, and create a like gym out of world champions, like work oh at Seoul. Yeah. And then I think they just never heard from him again. He wanted, he, he wanted me to live with him. Like invited me to live with him. He's like, come out, I'll feed you, train you. I was just like, whoa, <laughs> you. Like, That's a lot. Sorry. But those videos were iconic, and oh, yeah. those original cow strength videos were the ones that like got me like really into and passionate about weightlifting. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are gangsters. Yeah. John North screaming and throwing the bar down. Oh, they're so funny. Spencer Mormon, Kevin Cornell. He was so funny. Those quiet guys in the background. You see Donnie come up jerk 210. Yeah. I remember the first time I went in there, like the energy is just like unmatched. Like it is so fun. Yeah. Are there any gyms like that right now? Like if you were to go and find like a place where the best in the world are training, like, do you know of anywhere that's got that same energy? I don't know. I mean, I definitely think like, uh, I'm not sure with Olympic lifting. I do know, I feel like now, there's a lot of CrossFit camps that are popping up. Like people are moving to certain spots where there's really good coaching. And then they can mm. also train with like other elite level CrossFit athletes. But it all seems like pretty reserved now. Whereas like back then, I felt like I was watching some Wild West. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know, yeah. like, it was like that's what was cool of, about it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It was like it was raw, yeah. They were like yeah. slamming in their bars and yelling in each other's faces. They cavemen and, back then. Yeah. And now yeah. I feel like everybody's filming. Like, because if you go to some of the bodybuilding gyms in Miami, like if you go check out like Elevation, uh-huh. everyone's filming and they look kind of pristine <laughs> and they're training kind of aesthetically and yeah. all their movements are kind of pretty. All for and it's the gram. like, yeah, yeah, all but it, cameras. <laughs> like I'll go in there some days, yeah, and, yeah. and you'll you'll have these dudes setting up like and like skinny guys. 
just not doing much, but they'll film every single yeah. set with a full tripod camera, wow. <laughs> full setup, and like everything they're doing almost looks scripted. Yeah. Like, you're like, who oh, are you yeah. actually working out for? Dude, back, back then it would be like John North, Power Belly. <laughs> yeah. Five, had 500 coffees. He's smoking a cigarette right. between, <laughs> between snatching, clean and jerk. Like, I am just, not a role model. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was, it was, it was fun. It's like it the anti-view person. <laughs> right. Yeah. It is so weird that like back then I feel like if you were like filming something like on your phone, like a lift or something, it was kind of like, well, I kind of hope no one's watching you kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and now yeah. it's like weird if you're not almost. It's like the total opposite. Well, it's like it, everyone's got like back cameras then, so everywhere. It, like back then, I feel like it was the equivalent of how it would feel today to just like be out in public and like do a dance for TikTok. <laughs> Right, oh, Jesus. <laughs> See, like those people just God. All right, yeah, maybe we won't get into this. Hey, I mean, oh, we got other... Eddie Hall to do a TikTok dance last time I was you here. Did? Yeah, oh, yeah, I can show you. It's a good video. <laughs> it is. He, he went. He, he went. That's all one out. thing I love about Are you him. Kidding is me? He goes. I'm he dead goes serious. In. He does everything 110. percent He did a TikTok dance. He did, and He's it was a like, large man. Yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> It was it was sassy. Oh my. It was so good. I could see that though. I could. And see he literally that. like props to him. Like we showed him the video. He looked at it maybe two three times. He's like, got it. <laughs> we just oh rolled. He wanted to make sure he did it like he did it well. Oh God, that's amazing. It I mean, so good. never half asses anything. Clearly, yeah. no. Yeah. Even TikToks. Man of many talents. Like yeah. I would see. I would watch him on TikTok. I'd appreciate that. But the majority of like the TikTok stuff that's going on out there, because like you'll see that stuff. I don't know if it's happening where you are. What city do you live in now? Scottsdale, Arizona. Right. So that does not seem like the type of place where you'll walk around and there's a TikToker. Like here, you go to like the design district or something. Oh, and there's sure. just like, like you're just, like, you get this, I get this anger. You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, don't you have any, any self-respect? Like there's people watching you and they're just absolutely not. Absolutely not. They're like, this is the whole I mean, world. that's like people's jobs now, I feel like. Uh, you like know what? And they're making, they're making way more money than me. And I know that's the case, but there's still this old man part of me. Like the Larry David in me comes out and I'm just like, goddamn kids. Yeah. <laughs> back, back in my day, I had to squat 900 pounds for those views. Yeah. <laughs> how hard I trained to get those likes <laughs> and you're just like what are you doing yeah. uh, that's always so defeating when you like get I know that I've posted like PRs and stuff and I'm like oh my god this is so fucking cool and then there's like you know something like really dumb all like or I shouldn't say dumb but just like to me less impressive and like not as exciting and it gets like triple the well, likes or something like that. It is so annoying. <laughs> people on TikTok, they'll just like, they'll just, I, I, you know, you guys tell me if I'm wrong here, but they'll just like make these videos where they're just like, maybe it's a pretty girl or like, yeah. a, you know, whatever, look, good looking guy. And they'll just be pointing and it's just like three different points. <laughs> Text pops up and they they made a thousand dollars on that. Dude, yeah. yeah. These are the ones that's like, in case nobody told you today, <laughs> you're beautiful. And then it, or like, like a million views on TikTok. Dude, a million views, and that person's getting paid so well. That's so funny. What you just said is just like, that's killing me. Like, I had to squat 800 pounds for those views back in my day. Yeah, we had to. What are you kids doing? We were sacrificing our bodies 
for that clout. <laughs> I got a thousand likes. I'm so happy. These kids are getting 50,000 likes for just pointing at text. And they're 13. And they're making more money than me. Like, yeah. And fuck. TikTok, pay, if you have more than 50,000 followers, pick, uh, TikTok pays you per view. Oh, Does it really? Yeah. How much do you get paid per view? It's like, it's not a lot, but for those people who are getting millions of yeah, views yeah. on every video yeah, just they're stuff. making a living wow. well there's you know it's really sad go down that rabbit hole of like what people do successfully on youtube and tiktok and like yeah. i watch any self-respecting person who like has a job and they look at that and they're just like Fuck, you know how easy it is to accidentally support them though like <laughs> <laughs> no no please tell me so i can avoid it <laughs> I, I watched. I, I watched the middle-aged woman play bingo for an hour. Don't tell me about her. Yeah, an hour. For, how many views? Yeah, did she get video? Oh, I was. Wait, I was shocked. I was amazed. I wasn't even interested in the content. I'm just like, <laughs> I need to see where this goes. Does she do something at the end? Like what? Why? Oh, are, no. And there's thousand. Like the chat is popping off. People just like, watching her play bingo. And people who are very clearly like super familiar with her content and like talking about things that happened in old videos. They're like, no, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she got that on the last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Janet, come on. It's exactly what it is. Wait, and I'm just YouTube like... No, this was uh, TikTok. TikTok Live? a TikTok Live. Oh, my Like, gosh. thousands of people are just watching this. Wow. And donating and doing all these things. And you know like, what's even weirder than that, though? Is there's... A, a, and I've seen it on Reddit. There's, like... A, there's all these guys... And maybe women too, but I've just seen guys do it where like their whole thing is eating and becoming obese on YouTube and like TikTok and all this stuff. On like, I saw a guy oh, no. and his name is like Nico Cotto okay. or something. Shout out to Nico. And like in a bed, this is going to make me throw up thinking about this. <laughs> so I think I saw it yesterday, but he's like in a bed. It's being filmed for TikTok or YouTube or whatever. The whole bed is full of different fast food bags, and he's also got a blender and a bottle of ranch, like a Costco-sized bottle of ranch. <laughs> like, oh, no. He starts taking the cheeseburgers and the, the Chick-fil-A sandwiches and the French fries and just starts shoving it into this blender. Oh, no. Millions and millions and millions of views, shoves it in the blender, uses the ranch. This is, like, this is in his bed? Well, I'm assuming it's a bed. I don't know. His, hopefully it's not his bed. But the guy's like 400 pounds. It's just disgusting. And then like he's sitting there with a blender and all this fast food. And, and it's just it's, he, he, he starts to blend it. And he puts the ranch in as the liquid to blend it. And he blends it and starts oh. drinking it. And it's like it's got millions of views. And the guy's got millions of YouTube followers. And it's like him becoming obese. Like he's like a feeder to himself. He's, I mean, that's clearly well, killing himself, but like it's sad because he might be making good money, honestly. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely making good money. Well, it'd be more Those it, views. Oh man, but I would rather support somebody who does who is like Furious Pete. Do you remember him? Oh yeah, Furious Pete, man, he was a legend back in the day. Yeah. The good eater, yeah. He was, it's, it was actually an interesting story. He was a guy who was anorexic, uh -huh. and then he to to. If I mess this up, internet, forgive me, but I think this is the story. Uh -huh. He, to overcome his anorexia, uh, became a professional eater. Oh, interesting. And, and uh, he would make these crazy, you know, things and eat uh -huh. them online. Sort of like, what was that other one that used to do it all the time? <sighs> bacon strips, bacon strips. What was it oh called? Oh, my God. Uh, man, ver that man vs. Food? No. Uh, Epic Meal Time. Oh, Epic Meal Time. Epic yeah, meal time. yeah, they had those, like... 30 layer cheeseburgers yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he oh, was like God. the a one man version of this. And okay. he was but he was 
like super fit. Like he was really muscular. He was a powerlifter, wasn't he? Or like I some kind of he was just he, fitness he was like a YouTube fitness enthusiast, yeah. and he would do a powerlifting meet, and he I think he might have done a bodybuilding show, and he just kind of like dabbled yeah, around, yeah. but always in in really good shape. And I would wear rather like eat all the crazy stuff, but then like make your overall lifestyle. Well, he had healthy. a good message. I don't think yeah. this other guy has a good message. No, this is just. <laughs> It's a message of sickness. This is just watching someone self-destruct themselves over time. Right. He'll be yeah. rich by the time he has a heart attack, but that blender full of Chick-fil-A and McDonald's <laughs> and ranch. That doesn't is, sound good. It can't. Cool. Yeah, it can't be enjoyable. No. I, you're asking the wrong guy. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 eat like I don't want to try to find out, so <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to. Coming soon. It's Colleen Foch on a bed. Can you imagine? <laughs> Honestly, I bet if a girl did that, they'd probably crush it. Probably. On the internet, the internet's... <laughs> you, I, we could just do, you could just fast for like two days and then do like one a month. Probably rake it in. I don't think I could in. fast for two days. Oh my God. AS, like those ASMR <laughs> videos that people put out, like just eating stuff and people listen to true. them. That is true. There's a lot of channels like that out there. People it's will scary. pay for anything. I, if, if those you videos were, make me uncomfortable. Yeah, I have not. this thing I can't remember what it's called, but it's actually like a real thing where you're disturbed by the sound of like chewing people chewing. Yeah, this is like the opposite. People pay; they enjoy it so much. I know. <laughs> to, so like, I'll pay you to stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me, it's mind blowing. My whole family's aware that I like I <laughs> I struggle with that. So, but I'll, I'll try to like not make them feel uncomfortable, but I'll be sitting around and if someone's like just chewing loudly or something, I'm just like, I can't really oh. hide it. Maybe, I'm just like, they should. can tell I'm annoyed and they're like, sorry. <laughs> Here's a million dollar idea. For every one of these internet pay sites that you can pay to like access somebody's life, whatever they are, like mm -hmm. ASMR stuff and uh -huh. weird porn, whatever. <laughs> there should be an equal and opposite way to pay to stop it. Like, if you disagree oh, with it, if you get enough people paying to stop, you have to shut down. You, you cut it off. Like, it's like, like a democratic that. system for the internet. Yeah, because then the people who are creating the content, it would actually be easier for them. But you have to match their pay. Yeah, you, like, buy them out. Well, like, yeah. Paper. Like, if it's a decentralized buyout of people that just don't deserve to be making content and it's democratic, I think the future could be safe. <laughs> Right now, I'm not so sure about the future. Yeah, like, just shut down all the, like, foot pages and stuff. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry if you're listening and you have a foot fetish, but please, move on. Same with the ASMR oh. stuff. Wow, what a detour we went on. I know, I was going to say, I'm like, you know, I love it. I can say whatever I want here, and I'll, I'll never hear any, unless you tell me, I never hear anything about it. Cross the game's journey to foot fetish. <laughs> It's good. <laughs> on Instagram, it's probably only like one or two posts away. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm that sure. algorithm, if they know you like pictures of people without shirts on, exercise. Why not like, feet? Let's show them a foot. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. There's that one engineer on Instagram. It's like, I wonder if they're going to figure this out. Let's show them a foot and see where it goes. All of a sudden, there's foot models in your feet. Oh, my God. All right. I'll excuse myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. Um, so what's, we'll, we'll reel it back in. Yeah. What, what, so what, what's next for you? Yeah. What, what do you have planned? So plan is to keep analyzing data. Um, keep doing that. Um, so yeah, been like just trying to keep, uh, education up and stuff in that learning a ton, obviously in the job, but also like. Um, looking for resources, like taking different coding classes and stuff. Definitely something I never in a million years thought I would enjoy, to be honest. Like, 
Also, it was like really intimidating, just coding in general. I was like, it I. It is. I had you learn if... YAML a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. And even that was just a lot. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. But it's like once you figure it out, like I don't know. For me, like it's super rewarding too, because especially like. Um, not to go back too much, but like in, and maybe I talked about this on the last podcast, but um, in college, like in high school for sure, I definitely really struggled with balancing academics and athletics. And for me, athletics came first and I was mm. like, we'll just get by with academics. So I feel like because of that and so much of my identity was like wrapped up in sports and like that's what I was good at and like got praised for, like you said. And, um, and it wasn't in... But it's like, looking back, I'm like, well, no kidding. Like you spent so much more of your time and effort into athletics. And not that I like regret that per se, but I think I then was like, oh, well, I'm just not smart. And like, I don't know how to do that stuff. And then, so I think back, going back to school and like kind of mastering that balance more so, like kind of proved to myself, like, okay, even if I don't know how to like code in this language or whatever it is, like I can figure it out. Like it, I may not be able to get it like overnight or it's not gonna come as quickly to me as like, you know, doing a clean or whatever it is, but like sure. I can still figure that out. And like, I feel like anything like coming out of it, that was really cool just to prove to myself that like, I could do that. Um, and again, then using like the stuff that I learned from sports into my data career has been really cool just as far as like um, working hard and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so just going to keep doing that and then um, continuing to just like train for life and stay fit and stuff. And uh, yeah, and then just coaching hybrid body. I think you said it best earlier, like if you can apply yourself to being a really good athlete and all of the nuance that comes along with that, like you can't doubt yourself with the rest no. of your life. Like you could definitely apply yourself to be a badass, 100%. whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah. You want to be a, a carpenter, like if you want to be a data analyst, yeah. you want to be a philosopher, or economist, like if you can apply yourself to being a top level athlete in whatever your discipline is, like you've mm -hmm. learned the framework to do anything. 100%, yeah. Like a hundred, yeah. It's, there's no doubt the carryover is huge. So like yeah. you might not have experienced the academic side of, mm -hmm. of school initially, yeah. but you were learning everything you needed to to build the framework of the rest of your life exactly. in a meaningful way because yeah. you learn discipline, you learn hard work, and you learn it through passion, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. if you go to a fucking uh, whatever math 101 class or English 101 class in college, like. There is nobody there that gives a shit because it doesn't. There's, there's no. It just doesn't matter. And yeah. I'm not saying that to be funny. Like, but yeah. th those things don't matter because you don't see the carryover. Mm -hmm. But if you passionately follow an exercise program and your goal is to be the best in the world at CrossFit, mm -hmm. and you see the results, like I'm at the CrossFit Games, like you didn't just stumble in there. Yeah. But you've mm -hmm. learned the framework to achieve basically anything you want in your mm -hmm. life because you understand that it takes time and discipline and you don't see the result day one, but right. day 365, like you're going to be looking at a whole different uh, landscape in front of you. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that is a great point because I think companies in whatever field it is, like really take into account and really value like that you have resiliency, that you have patience, like you said, of like, okay, I'm probably gonna run into like a thousand ways how not to do something before I figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super valuable and a lot of times that's really hard to train. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And so I would say like companies, if they're like, okay, we know you have a great work ethic, your discipline, all this stuff, like we can teach you like the skills in order to do your specific job and you can learn that. And obviously you've proved that through, like you said, like excelling in another arena and you can kind of transfer over that into a new one. So yeah, yeah it's, it's about understanding the importance of what's intangible at the moment and tangible yeah. in five years. Exactly. Like, if you start writing, like recently for my business, we all, we started offering uh, something we call an economic reporting uh, report for people, right? Mm. So we, I, even as the owner of this company, like I write this report for banks, very heady stuff. It's all economics based because that's yeah. what my, my collegiate background was in is I got a degree in economics and oh, like, nice. I'll sit there and I'll read Fed releases and I'll read... I'll just this shit that like I understand maybe fifty percent of it, but the fifty percent of it that I can understand, I can, I can write decently well enough that people pay me for the writing. Mm-hmm. And you sell it to people, and like I didn't think I, you know, like five ten years ago, I didn't even think about doing that until somebody asked me to last, you know, last quarter, like Q two. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, and you want me to write this thing for you, and you're gonna pay me for it, yeah. like. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm gonna write that thing yeah. for you, and now we're selling it to other people too mm-hmm. because it works. And that's awesome. But it's, it's again, it's like I went through the same thing you did, and Hayden went through the same through the same thing you did, where you practice and like if you follow a, if you can follow a training program for 16 weeks to compete or 36 months or weeks, whatever you know, whatever your time frame is, mm-hmm. however long you're planning. But if you can go from there all the way to the day of competition and on day one. Like you remember, you start a powerlifting program day one. Like you're doing a lot of volume; it's very heavy. And you, I remember always walking away from day one, week one, saying, "Oh shit, there's no way I'm gonna squat, whatever, deadlift, right. whatever." And then by the time the end comes, and you've persevered the whole way through, mm-hmm. it's a whole different mindset. Yeah, it's very interesting to see that applied to different disciplines. And I love talking to people about yeah. that because you can see that the mindset carries over. Mm-hmm. And the discipline carries over as well, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. it achieves some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, if I have kids one day, I'll definitely put them in all the sports. You know, oh, or yeah. schedule permitting, like your parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think that you just you learn so much about yourself and about how to work with others and all those things through sports. So I think oh, absolutely, it's a ton. Yeah, um, it's been great. Yeah, yeah. This where can we find you? Yeah, where can we find you? Uh, on Instagram, Colleen Foch, YouTube, Colleen Foch, and I do have a TikTok. <laughs> Colleen <Yeah>. Foch. <laughs> There's not a I'm ton not on, on the there area. yet. Don't look but... at me. I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did a little TikTok. I, I've been oh, dab- did you? I've, been, I've, been, I've been dabbling. No, it's not just. Did you it's point? Just not children dancing. No, I didn't point <laughs> at any boxes. I didn't do that. All right, man. Whatever. Me and George have been working on it. Oh, nice. George, my TikTok producer. Yeah. What did he do? Oh, okay. It's Joey Diaz no. talking to, to uh, <laughs> is the audio in the background. It's, it's yeah. good. Yeah, it's good. That's, it's good. All right. That's but that, that one video got me that. almost like 10,000 followers. It, no it's crazy. way. Yeah, it's, that's the thing. It's like you just put out stuff and then something hits and you're just like. Yeah. That's And with TikTok, it could be anything. It's weird because you can also like. You can post something and for like two weeks it gets nothing and then all of a sudden you just see the views are like climbing and you're like, I don't know even how this got noticed. That's crazy. Colleen, thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you. This might be a PR for laughs. 
Honestly, this yeah, is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty. You know, it's some people just draw. I don't, I don't know if it's us or you or just the, the, the environment, but some people just they draw this just the the, the strange conversation <laughs> out of the ether. <laughs> allow. I think it's just like the other person allowing the conversation yeah, yeah. to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the conversation is not allowed to like progress to somewhere that catches people' attention. Right. I always find that the most important parts of any conversation with somebody is discovered like in the most bizarre tangential story and brought back this podcast is all about the detours love it yeah we could have called it the detour honestly that's a good good name (laughs) i like that you get me involved man you never know where things are gonna go (laughs) but thank you thanks again yeah thank you